continue the second part in our series through 1 Peter of being authentic. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 25. Verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time, the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Would you please pray with me before we open up this passage and really delve into it? Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come before you, our creator, our judge and our Lord. And Lord, now we ask as, as, we, as we open up this passage, as we delve into it, would you speak to each one of us? Speak to our hearts, challenge us, challenge us in all things that are holy, challenge us in the things that we need to remove from our lives. May you continue to make us holy as you are holy. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. For those of you who have flown on a, an international or a domestic flight, some of you, it's a, it's a daily occurrence, but you would have heard the, the safety announcement before the plane takes off. The air hostess gets up and stands at the front of the plane and um, I think that light might be misbehaving. She, oh, no, sorry, that's un-PC. They get up and the air hostess gets up and and does the safety announcements. She points out, I can't help it. The person points out the emergency exits, teaches you how to put on your your, um, seatbelt and get the right tension. They do the, you know, 
these, and so elegantly as well. And they, they tell you if the pa plane loses cabin pressure, the oxygen masks will fall from the ceiling. And the reason they run through this is so that everyone is prepared. Not just in the, in the unlikely event of an emergency, but for the takeoff, for the landing, and for the long flight. And they point out the restrooms for the long flight. And this is the first thing that we see in, in Peter's letter this morning, is that he tells us to be prepared. Scout's motto. More specifically, he tells us to have our minds prepared. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I was taught when, um, when I was doing English in, in uh, school that whenever you see a therefore, you have to establish what the therefore is there for. And so in light of what Peter has said in, in last week's passage, verses 1 to, to 12, in light of what, of what he has said in, in being brought again, born again to a living hope, he says, now be prepared. Be prepared because of that living hope. Remember that this book is, is a letter. It was never meant to be divided up into chapter and verse. It was meant to be read in its entirety, in its context, and to those who it was written to. And so Peter is saying what, what he says in this previous parts of his letter, be born again to a living hope. We've got birds flying around and lights <laughs> playing up. The world is against me this morning. This must be a good passage. Peter says, be born again to a living hope. And then he says, be sure to set your minds to action. Since you have been chosen by God for salvation, that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and believe in his resurrection and that you have your eternal lives secure, which is the inheritance that he speaks about, and that is being kept for them by God. In light of being born again to this living hope, he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. The ESV says, prepare your minds for action. The NIV says, be alert and fully sober. And I love this one. The ASV says, girding up the loins of your mind. What? The concept of girding up the loins of your mind is, is an, a Greek idea or an ancient idea that when, in the time when men wore robes, you would gird up the loins of your robes to prepare yourselves for action, either to run really fast or to, to fight a good fight or, or just to, to get out of there. And so Peter is saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your minds for action. In the military, when a soldier prepares for action, they set up defences in order to slow down or, or stop the attacking forces, don't they? 
The first point is that holiness begins in our minds. We must have our minds prepared for action. And so the first step in loving God and being holy is to train our minds. Hang on, let me take a step back. The first step is being born again to a living hope. Have you got that? The second step in holiness is that it begins in our minds. We must train our minds to be thinking holy thoughts, preparing our minds for action, to set up defences in our minds to, to stop unholy desires and thoughts entering our minds. The opposite of holiness is commonness, okay? And so holiness is, holy thoughts Um, where holiness starts in the mind is something that is not common to us. So we need to be training our minds to to not dwell on, on unholy things, to dwell on holy things such as, as, as Peter says, the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And this is what Peter says when he says, be sober-minded, be clear-thinking. Don't let your mind wander into unholy areas. Don't allow yourself to be taken away by your own evil desires. Don't believe the lies of the devil as they come into your mind. Lies such as, is your marriage really fulfilling you? Lies such as, are you really saved by the blood of Jesus? James 1.14 says, Each person is tempted when he is allured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we must set up defences in our minds in order to grow in holiness. But the flip side of that, the other thing that a soldier does when preparing for action in in the military is that they have an offence plan. They have a plan of counter-attack or attack against what the enemy will do. And so the next thing in, in preparing for godliness, for holiness... It's through, through renewing our minds and preparing for action, setting up offensive, and setting up on the offence, not being offensive, of course. These passions that, that Peter speaks about in verse 14, former passions of your former, the passions of your former ignorance. Passions such as lust, impure thoughts, unholy anger, bitterness, hatred, dishonesty, indecent talk. They will come as attacks from the enemy and we need to know what to do when these attacks occur. 1 Timothy 4 verses 7 to 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness or holiness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. 
What does Peter tell us to prepare our minds with? What does he tell us to set our minds to? Verse 13, he says, the grace of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In retraining our minds, in training for godliness, we need to be constantly reminded of the gospel. The gospel is not just a good news for non-Christians. It's not just good news for people who don't know God. It is good news for us as well. That God has chosen himself a people. Of those people, we are chosen. That those people were ransomed from slavery to sin through the death of Jesus Christ and ransomed from the penalty of sin. And that there is an inheritance waiting for us when Jesus returns. And here's the best part. All of this took place not because we are worthy not because of our own righteousness, but because of God's gracious love for us. And so, as Peter says, take away those former passions. We need to change where our passions lie. And that there, folks, is something to be passionate about. That God's grace intervened in history and enabled a way for us to be made holy. And in that, we can continue to be made holy. You might have heard this illustration from uh, the movie Courageous, where the, uh, I think it's Mr. Bridges, uh, walks into the coach's office and and, um, and he gives this illustration. If you haven't seen the movie, I recommend it to you. It's a good Kendrick Brothers movie. But he, Mr. Bridges says this illustration about the two farmers in the middle of a dry spell praying for rain. Fairly adequate sort of um, illustration at this time. Out of the two farmers, there was only one of them that went out and ploughed his field. And Mr. Bridges says to the coach, which one trusted God to send the rain? Which one trusted God to answer his prayers? I want to ask you this morning, which one are you? Have you been praying for for God to work in your life, but you haven't prepared your mind for action? Or you haven't prepared your field to receive the rain? Have you been wishing that God would do something in your life, but you haven't prepared your mind for action? Are you continuing to do the same thing over and over and over, and yet expecting different results? So the first step in holiness is being born again to this living hope and having our minds prepared for action, for transformation, Focusing our minds on what is holy rather than common. 
And it starts with making every thought captive and pitting it up against the standard of, is this holy? It begins in our minds, but being holy is as much about our external conduct as it is about our internal conduct. Verse 15, Peter says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, mind, body, and soul. Be reminded that holiness is not something we can achieve on our own. The fact that we have been called by God to be his people, that we have been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, and that God's immeasurable grace has been poured out into our lives, that's our starting point for being holy every day. Look at verses 18 and 19. Peter says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter says that, that holiness starts with Jesus Christ and his sacrifice his willingness to go to the cross in order to make us holy and so when we talk about holiness we're not talking about trying to win God's favor we're not trying to achieve that element of holiness on our own through coming along to church and reading the Bible consistently and praying consistently no those things come after the fact that we have been made holy out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. And then out of the grace that God has shown us, we are compelled to be holy as he is holy. In verse 16, Peter is, is quoting Leviticus 11, verse 44. And he quotes this passage because this this book of Leviticus is all about the Israelites serving God in the tabernacle, about them being holy and serving God. And it says that being holy is set apart, being set apart for the sake of service to God. Friends, what are we set apart from? We're certainly set apart from from the former passions of the flesh. We're set apart from the, the, the idea that, that if it feels good, then do it. We've been set apart to be God's ambassadors here on this earth, to look different, to act different, to think differently and to talk differently, to have a different passion. Before, my passion was myself. Now, my passion is Jesus Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Peter is saying that we have been set apart to serve God, to worship God by the renewing of our minds. The transformation of our minds and out of that comes the transformation of our actions and deeds. When the air hostess is is giving their demonstration at the beginning of the flight, they tell you about the oxygen masks falling from the ceiling and, and they show you how to put it on. Make sure you put the strap over your head. Am I doing this right, Eureka? Okay. Put the strap over your head, pull it tight, and breathe in and out, in and out. And one of the comments they generally make is, is to, to not worry about everyone else, but to put your own oxygen mask on first before helping anyone else. This is because you're no use to anyone if you help them put on their oxygen mask but then pass out in the process. And the same goes when we speak about holiness. It's no good running around and making sure everyone else has got their holiness on, all the while yours is in tatters and bad shape. I believe the Pharisees were good at that, weren't they? The only person that God is speaking to you about in terms of holiness this morning is you and me. Peter is saying, check yourself before being worried about everyone else. Worry about the plank in your own eye before worrying about the speck of dust in anyone else's eye. This is, this is not to say that we can't be worried about other people's holiness or the spiritual condition of fellow believers or, or especially the, the spiritual condition of non-Christians as well. But it's to say that we should be worried about our own holiness, our own holy conduct before worrying about others. The next thing that we see in this passage is is that Peter commands us to be loving, verses 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. If you haven't got the fact that Jesus' sacrifice has purchased you with something that can never fade away, read those 25 verses again and highlight imperishable, undefiled, unfading. (coughs) Peter calls us to love one another and to collectively work out our, our holiness. Loving one another is an aspect of being holy, but But challenging people on their conduct is an aspect out of love for them is an aspect of growing in holiness too. The biblical idea of of confronting someone with their sin 
or if they have sinned against you in particular, is found in Matthew 18. Jesus says to confront your brother if, you, if he has sinned against you, brother or sister in this case, and if they listen to you, you've gained your brother back. But if they don't listen to you, go with them to, with one or two others, and if they still won't listen to you, take it to the church, and if they still won't listen to you, consider them like an unbeliever. Pretty harsh words, aren't they? challenge you this morning that if someone within this congregation has, has sinned against you, out of love for them, go to them and speak with them. But do it with grace and checking your own holiness in the, in the first place. If we don't do this, if we continue to allow sin to creep into this, this congregation... There'll never be an opportunity for, for growth in holiness collectively. If we don't go to our brother or sister who has offended us and upset us, and if we hold on to hurt and offence, there's, there's the chance of bitterness and unforgiveness growing within our congregation. It damages our relationship with God, it damages our our brotherly love and sisterly love for one another. So out of, out of being loving, we are to go and ask for forgiveness, confront unholiness. Because if we never confront those whom we have offended, or if we are never confronted with with those whom we have never offended or sinned against, then we miss out on being humbled and knowing that our conduct was not, not holy. We miss out on the chance to grow in holiness where we can be more like Christ in character and conduct. Peter's final words in verse 25 tell us that this is the word this, this word is the good news that was preached to you. In order for the good news of Jesus to transform us, to make us holy, we need to hear it regularly, both from the pulpit, from our own minds, from, from others. Each morning when you wake up, remind yourself that you have been chosen by God. Chosen by him since the beginning of time chosen by God to be ransomed from the sin that entangles your life through God's grace. And by the Holy Spirit dwelling within you that, that makes us holy, that continually makes us holy, continually transforms our character, we can be more and more holy. And it will be the return of Jesus that confirms all of these things, all of these facts. It will be the return of Jesus that will complete the work of holiness in each one of us. See, Peter is saying that the good news is not just for non-Christians and those outside of the church. It's for each one of us. <coughs> so wrapping up, we see that Peter commands us to be holy, 
that holiness begins with being born again to a living hope. And that growth in holiness begins with our minds being transformed, being ready to do God's work in us or allow God to do his work in us. That being holy includes our outward character as much as our inward character. And that we are challenged to grow in holiness out of love for one another. If you didn't get the fact that Peter's charge to be holy comes after the instruction to be born again to a living hope, I ask you to read those 25 verses again. We are born again to this living hope through the, through the perfect substitute, the sacrifice, the penalty for sin, and living rightly after this. The only way that we can be holy is, is through this perfect sacrifice, through growth in holiness, being clothed with Christ's righteousness rather than our own good works. Understand it this way, God's grace came first and holiness comes after that for us. Growth in holiness comes after that. We're going to come around the communion table very shortly and um, ask if the stewards would come forward. We're given an opportunity to remember that holiness is not in and of ourselves, that it came about through the sacrifice of Jesus and the bread and the juice reminds us of this very sacrifice. I ask if you would... Take the bread in your own time and, and hold the, the juice so that we might drink together out of a sign of unity. <clears throat>